2: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone Montreal, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Thanks so much for joining us and being here with us today. Uh, we are a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, and we're glad that you're with us to uh, find out some, of the well, the latest news coming out of the Montreal Canadiens organization and the Laval Rocket. And we've got a tremendous show for you in store today, so you don't want to go Anywhere, uh, I am your host and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, Amy Johnson, and I am joined each and every week by our founder and editor in chief, the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today, sir?
3: Doing very well. How are you?
2: doing all right. Doing all right.
3: Snow <laughs> on the way, hockey weather for uh, Shut Quebec. Up. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah.
1: mm-hmm. Uh
2: huh. Yeah. Uh, the flowers are coming up beautifully in uh, in my <laughs> garden. So nice. Um, here in southeastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> but although it's been a cold April here in Pennsylvania, um, there's been nights that it's been down near freezing or in the low 40s. And it's not, It's been windy as heck and cold. So I'm waiting for it to like be in the 70s. But I'll take what we have over snow.
3: Well, a bit of uh, snow out west as well. And that's where the Canadians are this week. A five-game road trip out west to play against the Oilers and uh, three games against Calgary Flames.
2: Started off real well last night. Well, not really, no. (laughs) (laughs) But we will get to that in a moment. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've got uh, plenty of hockey to talk about. However, uh, this weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, every kick, and every knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. And for this weekend's, Fight DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes.
3: If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play.
2: You just pick six fighters, you stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more.
3: There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes.
2: Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week.
3: You know DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable um, app, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience.
2: Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN. THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. THPN, that's the Hockey Podcast the Hockey Network. Podcast We're Network. proud to be a part mm-hmm. of them. We're so glad that you're here. It's a great group of podcasts. Um, and today on this podcast, we've uh we're gonna quickly uh, run down some some of the top uh, Montreal and Laval news. Just get to a couple couple of bullet points, and then we're gonna dive in right into our special guest interview. The one and only Patrick Williams is here with us today. He is the source for everything American Hockey League. Uh, He's the AHL correspondent at NHL.com and also at EP Rinkside, and he is going to give us a breakdown on uh, his thoughts on the Laval Rockets' successes this season, Um, and he's also going to answer a lot of questions from us regarding the American Hockey League. Uh, We know that you've got questions about playoffs and how how things have been going in this kind of hybrid season, he's gonna break it all down for us. So we've got a great show for you coming today. Um
3: The other thing that's good about him, yeah, he's a two an, another two first names kind of guy.
2: Rick Stevens, Patrick Williams. Uh-huh. It works. And both of you have put the, you know, that you've got the, got the S on the S. end yeah, of the side. name. just second, to make it easier for everybody to say. You I know. see. Mm-hmm. hmm have you two discussed this?
3: No, no, no. We should though.
2: <laughs> you absolutely should. Absolutely. Um, I will remind you before we uh, run down these these news points. Uh, be sure you're following us at the AHL Report on Twitter and also at the Press Zone. Uh, we don't want you to miss a minute of our coverage or the action. Um, and speaking of action, as as Rick said, uh, the the Habs are on their west on a Western road trip right now, uh, and there's two names sitting on the taxi squad who are traveling with the team, um, that will be of interest to listeners. And that is one Cole Caulfield and Caden Primo. Um, both of them are on the taxi squad. Um, Laval has had some, some schedule rearrangements. And so with Laval not playing for the last week, uh, the Canadians had called him up and, um, you know, wanting him to get some practice at the NHL level, uh, and uh, then Dominic Ducharme did confirm that he was going to travel as well. So it's still yet to be determined if he's actually going to play a game or not. Who knows? But, Rick, uh, Dominic Ducharme did say that now that Carey Price has a con- uh, has been diagnosed with a concussion and will be out of commission for at least the next week, um, that it is looking likely that Caden Primo is going to get a start uh, before the next time we have one of these press zone shows next week.
3: Alec Chason, uh, Oilers, Alex Chason, careening through the crease, uh, knocked Carey Price in the head uh, as a shot was coming in from Connor McDavid. It was ruled uh, no goal. Um, wasn't ruled a penalty, which is a bit curious, and no supplemental discipline that we've heard of, uh, but the blow uh, caused uh, concussion symptoms. Uh, Carey Price in concussion protocol. And uh, a minimum of a week uh, out, um, just after he he came back. So yes, uh, Dominic Deschamps has said there's a good chance that Caden Primo will play this week.
2: I've, and you know, I find this, I find that scenario interesting. I mean, good for Caden Primo if he's able to get a get in a game. Um, that that's that's good for him, uh, and we'll see how the team in front of him performs uh, at the same time. But I do find it interesting that they made the decision once Price came back from injury, um, instead of sending Primo back to Laval and bringing Charlie Lingren back to the taxi squad to go out on the road trip. They left Lindgren in. Laval, uh, and and simply transferred Caden Primo to the taxi squad to take him along. Um so I imagine it's a little challenging for Charlie Lindgren at the at the moment. Not that he's not going to enjoy if he's if he's able to get into some games this weekend, he'll he'll I think probably appreciate getting to play, but it's just um just one of those observational things like, hmm, okay, that's an interesting decision.
3: Well, and observational. It's not only us who take a look at these things, Uh, other players outside of the organization, uh, take a look at these things and to, to see how players within the organization are treated. And and I mean, Mark Bergevan doesn't have a good reputation around the league for the way he treats players. Um, and um, a- and this is just adding more fuel to that. Uh, and add to that, that uh, Stefan Waite said he wanted to see uh, Caden Primo play 150 games uh, in the AHL. Uh, maybe even 200, he said, uh, it, uh, would be ideal. Um, and of course, he's he's nowhere near that. And and we've seen uh, other teams, uh, particularly around goaltenders, rush them through, mm-hmm. and the uh, the real disastrous results um, that that don't maybe not happen immediately, uh, but sometime later uh, rear their ugly heads. So, and then <laughs> there's the whole controversy whether. Cole Caulfield should be, mm. whether the Canadians should use uh, their one last call up uh, on Cole Caulfield. And and it's very amusing to see, um, you know, some of the, the mainstream media who, you know, they, they don't follow junior hockey, they don't follow college hockey, they don't follow the AHL, but all of a sudden they've got uh, uh, an opinion about why it's okay to rush them in uh, right away.
2: They're experts on it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to stay mute on that, uh, mute on that subject for, for right now, because I think I could go on a pretty long rant and we have more exciting things to, to get to, (laughs) um, I did mention that uh, Laval, we knew Laval had a pause because of the Toronto Marlies shutdown last week. Um, It was announced today that the Marlies shutdown is now going to be extended through April 28th. So it sounds like they've got um, some concerning things happening uh, for the COVID 19 protocols within the Toronto Marlies organization. Um, And so as a result of that, we knew that uh, Laval would be traveling to Ottawa to play against Belleville. On Wednesday night this week, on the 21st, uh, kind of as a, as a you know, way to get them into playing action, well, it's now been announced today that while they are there, they'll play Wednesday night, but they're also going to play Friday night and on Saturday afternoon, uh, so taking... Two games against Belleville that are that were scheduled for the following two weeks and moving them up to this week. Uh, so some juggling around for Laval's schedule. Uh, of course, we'll have all of the coverage for that at the AHL Report and uh on the AHLreport.com website. Uh my colleague Chris G will be handling the coverage duties for those three games this week. Uh so be sure that you're following along at the AHL report for that. Um and last but not least uh just want to do just want to mention um it was a sad day we speaking of junior hockey Rick it was a sad day for um the o h l and their teams and players and families and billet families uh when the o h l did finally announce that uh you know it's been a long time coming um they were very close to announcing a return to play plan, uh, but things have gone so f- far awry in Ontario with uh, the latest outbreaks for COVID-19 uh, that the OHL did officially announce today, the cancellation of the season that never began.
3: intra borders are closed to non-essential traffic. That's how serious it is. And so, Uh, Yeah, the OHL was 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 holding on as long as they could. Um, You know, it was they were starting to to run out of time. Uh, The Memorial Memorial Cup had been canceled. Um, And they they finally came to a final decision today on uh, this past season.
2: Well, it's always a good day here at the Press Zone when Rick and I can welcome back uh, one of our dear friends and colleagues, someone we respect in in this industry very, very much, uh, and we're so proud to welcome him again today. That's Patrick Williams. He's the AHL correspondent for NHL.com and the lead AHL columnist at EP Rinkside. Patrick, thanks so much for being here with us today. Uh, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you guys?
2: We're doing, we're doing great, um,
3: and we're thrilled to have you back. We are,
2: well, thank you. We got lucky. to be back. It's, so. it's a lot's happened since I think it was, I think it was January the last time that we had you on, mm-hmm. and my goodness, a lot has happened uh, between then and now. So, what we're gonna do today is just start with focusing on the Laval Rocket first, um, okay. and uh, we'll we'll start we'll start small and we'll get bigger from there. So, I guess first, really, um, of course. The big news in in Laval right now is Cole Caulfield's arrival and and all of the the fanfare that came along with with his arrival last weekend. More in a general term from a league standpoint, what's what are your thoughts on how beneficial it is and how how the AHL benefits when a guy with that kind of um, high visibility and high profile in the in the broad hockey world uh, makes his debut in the American league and, and it looks like we'll play there for a little bit.
0: Well, everything lined up. I mean, just about perfectly for the American hockey league, uh, this past Friday night. So about Laval, you know, which is Montreal Canadiens affiliate Paul Caulfield. The game is in Toronto and an hour or so before his pro debut, he's officially named the, uh, the winner of the Hobie Baker award. Um, Really, if you're the AHL, you could not have drawn that up better. Hmm. And that's just before the game starts. And then he comes out and he puts on an absolute show. Mm -hmm. Two goals, one assist, game-winning goal. Um, The beautiful one-timer for his first goal and then that that rush, uh, you know, and then the rebound for goal number two. The following afternoon, uh, he gets the tip on uh, the third-period goal. So he gets another game-winner. just about perfect weekend for both him and for the league, uh, for the Laval Rockets. Uh, you have a very quotable head coach like Joel Bouchard. Uh, so uh, for the league, it's, it's hugely beneficial. There's been a huge influx lately. Um, first half of the year, it was all the kids from the CHL coming in. The 18-year-old first-round picks, that's Jarvis coming in, Jamie Drysdale, uh, Trevor Zedrus, uh, players like that. Then you had... Uh, this this next influx of Cole Caulfield, Matt Boldy out in Iowa, uh, Alex Newhook in Colorado, all first-round picks, all high-profile players who had <clears throat> pretty storied college careers, all coming into the American Hockey League and learning, learning the pro game uh, at this level. So um, in a lot of ways, I think the American Hockey League at times can struggle with that and uh, – it gets a reputation perhaps as a league where more you're more developing goalies and maybe the bottom half of the lineup. Well, now you're getting star players coming in, uh, guys who when they do eventually go to the NHL, everybody expects that they're going to make a real significant impact. So um, I think for the American Hockey League, it was uh, really a perfect weekend.
3: So as uh, just following up on that, you said things are lining up or lined up pretty well for Cole Caulfield in the two games that he played with Laval um, and, and the, the Hobie Baker Award and, and so on. Now, maybe things are, are, are continuing to line up uh, for Cole Caulfield in that uh, Laval has... Well, it had a a light schedule uh, in April to start with, and then there's been some postponements. So uh, Laval, uh, you know, may not be playing Um, very often. uh, You have uh, the Canadians that maybe have some needs, particularly on the power play. Uh, Things seem to be falling into place, and certainly fans are calling for Cole Caulfield to be recalled to the Canadians, even only after these two games. Um, But... I'm wondering if you can take the other side of the argument. What are the reasons that the Canadians may not want to uh, recall Caulfield uh, from Laval just yet?
0: Um, the American Hockey League, I can give you a perfect argument for that. Um, it makes its, it makes its, um, it earns its keep, I guess I'll say, by teaching players all the small little unglamorous uh, um, not particularly exciting details of the game, the play away from the puck, uh, neutral zone play, uh, obviously defensive zone play for sure, um, little little small details. And a player like Paul Coffield and a head coach like Joel Bouchard, somebody who's extremely detail-oriented, even among American Hockey League coaches, he stands out uh, for his very intense attention to detail and the way that uh, he really drills his players hard on all those little details. Um, So the argument I would make is that when you do reach the NHL, uh, it has to almost be a plug and play type situation where if you're, if you're a head coach in the national hockey league, you don't have time, certainly not this year, especially with the schedule, with the playoff stretch uh, to teach players, those little details. Uh, There's minimal practice time at the NHL level. Um, Whereas in the, I mean, practice time is a massive part of what the league does. Um, So Cole Caulfield has that opportunity to get that practice time, to really get that video time with uh, both the team and individually with uh, Joel Bouchard. So I I don't think there's anything – there's not a downside. And when you look at the top NHL operations across the league, Tampa Bay, uh, Washington, uh, Detroit for many years before their recent struggles – um, they always err on the on the side of overdevelopment rather than underdevelopment. Um, so um, I don't think you can hurt a player like Cole Caulfield by keeping him with Laval and having him get that that extra practice and instruction time. Uh, I do think you can hurt him, though, if you rush him and you bring him up too soon and then, you know, it's the third period of a game and um, he misses a coverage or he, he has some sort of uh, defensive zone breakdown and, you uh, the Habs lose the game and then, you know, it's a critical two points. That's a lot of pressure for a 20 year old kid, even a player as accomplished as him to walk into. So, um, I, I lean. And I think a lot of coaches would lean on toward uh, a little bit of overdevelopment rather than, uh, underdevelopment.
3: And we've seen that there are things to learn. Uh, Joel Bouchard talked about, uh, things yet that, that he wanted to, uh, show Cole on, on video, whether he was talking about that, uh, Cali Casilla goal for the Marlies on Friday night kind of went around uh, Caulfield uh, pretty easily um, mm-hmm. uh, to open the scoring in the game. Um, but if we can move away from Caulfield, uh, he's the news, but if we, there, there, are other, there have been other players uh, this year in Laval. And um, I wonder if there's a, a player that's caught your eye, a particular prospect, um, who's impressed you this season in Laval.
0: Uh, a few different players have, um, uh, I'll start with, uh, Harvey Pinard. Um, what he's done, I think coming in, uh, unheralded player, uh, coming out of the Quebec junior league, um, for him to be able to fit in, especially in a season like this where everything is off kilter this season. Um, I've just been really impressed. Um, um, he finds a way to get things done. Um, uh, He works his butt off every night. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you can impress someone like joel Bouchard with your work ethic, um, (laughs) that's impressive to me because, I mean, his base... uh, Bouchard's baseline for work ethic is already pretty high. So for somebody to not only meet that bar, but, you know, exceed it, um, it's pretty noteworthy. Uh, And just watching different teams around the league, uh, I mean, Harvey Pinard really... uh, Stands out really among any player on any team for his work ethic. Uh, so I've been really impressed uh, by what he's been able to do and been able to fit in uh, pretty seamlessly. I think excellent attitude. Uh, he's one of those players that will uh, soak up the instruction that he's given and uh, you know certainly uh, really commit to that uh, uh, learning and development mindset. That's uh, not every player in this league has. I mean, a lot of players I've kind of joked, but not really joked in the past. They treat it like it's an airport. and This is the connecting flight to their final destination and they don't want to be there very long, but uh, sometimes you have to be there. And, uh, a player like him recognizes that he needs that time. He needs, uh, to really master this league first before you can even think about the NHL. Uh, so he's certainly somebody that stood out for me. Um, Misak, uh, um definitely. I mean, especially for an 18-year-old. I mean, this league is this league is the league of uh, players 20 to 25 and up. And uh, for any 20 or for any 18-year-old, when you really think about it, uh, you know they're barely, you know, out of uh, high school.
1: Mm. So
0: to come into this league uh, to play and uh, to hold his own, which I think is really all you can ask for. Um, I've been impressed by him just by what he's uh, shown uh, in that regard. So uh, those are two players that for me really stand out, uh, you know, more notably than others. But uh, I looked at that Laval roster in general, and it, it's it's not so much as uh, a team with all the most high profile or star prospects, but there's just a lot of uh, good, solid professionals in that lineup, uh, I think who are being coached to their max and, uh, are probably in some ways, um, exceeding perhaps what you might expect, uh, them to be able to do. And I think in some cases are playing them themselves into NHL consideration at some point.
2: Kind of going along with that, you know, uh- You've you've been on plenty of the press calls uh, with with Joel Bouchard this season, and you you hear him and the players, whether they're young or veteran, uh, use the phrase buy in an mm-hmm. awful lot this season, in particular. Um, is that part of what you think is giving them such success? And they're basically dominating the Canadian division now. Uh, is is that difference from previous years? Is that the that they seem to have gathered a roster of players who are all really bought into to what uh, this coaching staff is selling.
0: I think it starts with Bouchard. Uh, Bouchard, when he came in there in 2018, uh, to be quite honest, the uh, double valve system, uh, however you want to call it, the AHL picture was not pretty uh, the season before. Um, that team, I mean, that team had so many issues in terms of. Uh, really all areas of the ice and, and he came in and, and he drives a hard bargain he's not he's not warm and fuzzy uh, necessarily but <laughs> he's <laughs> and that's probably an understatement but I think he's fair um, he's he's intense but I think his intensity has a purpose and um, you won't find a more prepared coach in this league than, than him uh, so I think the players recognize that and then it also comes down to getting the right people. As players as well, but uh, it's it's taken a couple of years, but uh, the turnaround's been impressive. Uh, and I can tell you this: a lot of coaches in that division uh, have really singled out Laval for for how hard they play every single night. And remember, everybody that's that's um, you know in that division, you're seeing quite a bit of the Laval Rocket at one point or another. So you're getting a very good look at them. You're seeing them on their best nights, maybe on their worst nights. Uh, and and what they they, they consistently uh, remark about are the two things hard work and just that attention to detail and coaches aren't necessarily ones to um single out other teams for praise but um you know i think they re- they recognize or what laval does on the ice every night and uh, they have a lot of respect for that
2: well, that was just scratching the surface with Patrick Williams. Uh, it was a great uh, rundown of, of things for, from the team. Um, but now we know you've got questions about the American Hockey League. Like, are the playoffs going to happen what about all those teams who opted out? What's happening with them? And and what what does even what does the the forecast for the AHL even look like for next season? Well, those are just a few of the things that we're going to get into with Patrick in the second half of this interview. So we're going to take one quick break. Everybody's going to catch their breath and take a sip of water, and uh, we're going to have all of that for you when we come back. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. The Press
1: Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a
2: worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com.
1: Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out
2: our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch
1: our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications
2: so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and All American Hockey League news. Passionate and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team,
1: visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today.
2: And welcome back to the press zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. We're so glad you're back with us. Uh, that was a fantastic first segment. We've got more coming for you in just a moment. Uh, and of course, let's remind you I am your host, Amy Johnson. I'm joined by my co host, Rick Stevens. You can find me at Flyers Rule on Twitter. You can find Rick at at all habs, and uh, you can find this podcast at the press zone. So be sure you're following us at all of those appropriate social media places. We're talking with Patrick Williams, the AHL correspondent for NHL.com and the lead AHL columnist at EP Ringside. Uh, and now, Patrick, I, we want to get into kind of the state of the league in general, and I'm actually going to First, hand hand this over to uh, to Rick uh, because Rick, I know you wanted to talk a bit about uh, the recent deadlines that have just passed.
3: Yeah, just to set the context, in, and and uh, I know it's hard to to um, you know pair the, the 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 date the the calendar with uh, where we are in the season, but just to to look at the critical dates calendar. And fans know from an NHL perspective that a week ago, we passed the dra- tra- trade deadline. Um, maybe they don't know, and and maybe you can just enlighten some fans about things like the 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 roster deadline. Um, used to be called the the clear day roster. Um, the AHL trade deadline. Um, those kind of, that just passed those those kinds of things that that kind of set the context for where the the AHL is right now.
0: Well, yes, there. Even when you you think you're through the uh, deadline, there's always another deadline in this league. And, <laughs> um, the trade deadline in this league is not uh, the end of the line uh, in terms of roster shakeups. Uh, we have the AHL roster deadline, which is this coming Monday, the uh, 19th, I believe it is, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, and essentially what that means is that's uh, AHL teams' last chance to either trade or or loan players uh, to another team. Uh, so it's sort of sort of the NHL trade deadline in the AHL context, uh, but not really because there's also loans, which um, I could really get into details but I'll spare people <laughs> on some of the, the, the real particulars of that but uh, that's essentially what that means so uh, it, the idea behind it is um, to give AHL teams an additional week after the dust, dust settles from the NHL trade deadline to uh, shape their rosters a little bit maybe fill in some of those gaps and uh, a good example last year was really the last couple of years was what the Charlotte checkers did, uh, especially last season. Uh, they got completely decimated by the, uh, by the moves the Carolina hurricanes made. Uh, so last season uh, they went out and they brought in Keith Kincaid on loan from Laval, uh mm-hmm. to fill in that gap. Uh, as it turned out, it was sort of all for naught because the season was paused and eventually shut down. Uh, but that was the idea behind that. So the teams aren't, basically left stranded, uh, because we all know, uh, the NHL teams are going to do what they need to do. And, um, sometimes that can have a very detrimental effect on the American hockey league roster. And you do need to need to fill in those gaps, or perhaps, um, a player with another team is, uh, been bumped out because of, of a move made at the NHL trade deadline. So it's a chance for, for everybody to, uh, kind of reset and, um, Get all their ducks in order uh, after that NHL trade deadline. So uh, that's that's the gist of it. Uh, now this year, I think it's it's all bets are off. Uh, I don't <laughs> personally expect much, if any, activity uh, for one simple reason: the playoff uh, pictures and such uh, disarray. I guess is probably the nicest way to put it. Um, and then just simply that uh, you're not going to have a traditional Connor cup this year, you only have a uh, really uh, three weeks or so uh, for those moves. And then you have the quarantine issues. Uh, So if you're moving players around, they would have to deal with that. So there's not a whole lot of use right now for that deadline um, as compared to a normal season where you would have roughly six weeks or so you wouldn't have quarantines and you would have uh, the prospect of a a full two month uh, playoff Uh, season. So um, as with everything else, uh, that's one of the um, sort of the uh, victims of this uh, situation in this season. Uh, But uh, in a normal year, that's how uh, and that's what the the intent of, of the AHL roster deadline is.
2: Well, you said the magic P word. You said playoffs Um, and so playoffs, (laughs) playoffs, um, the fact is that the AHL has not yet publicly ruled out any postseason action, whatever that might look like. So I guess my next question for you is kind of twofold is what are you hearing uh, in general terms of whether or not there will be any sort of post-divisional play or will it just be divisional or anything at all. Um, and kind of going along with that, I mean, you look at the winning percentage um, and the rankings on on the league standings page, and this year in particular, the, the disparity in number of games played, I mean, between even like San Diego and Utica mm-hmm. are enormous now granted they don't play they don't even play on the same coast much less the same division but you're still seeing those kinds of of differentials even intra-divisionally um just overall what what are your senses and what are you hearing what are you hearing from your sources about the potential for any kind of play postseason
0: well that's a great point because i think the number of games comes down to um really i think the 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 personal preferences of each team um and like you mentioned san diego and all those teams in the pacific division uh they've gone pretty much full bear this season um there's teams out there that are going to play 44 regular season games um and they're pretty much playing a traditional schedule at this point uh they're doing the three and fours and the uh there's a couple teams this year doing a four and five which is a little bit of a throwback um they're not really uh, holding back this year. Uh, And then you have a lot of teams, especially in the East, that are uh, taking a much more uh, measured, conservative approach. Uh, They want to get some games in if they can, but uh, they're not necessarily wanting to play every night. I mean, you look at, let's say, Hartford and Bridgeport, they're going to play 24 games this season uh, against two opponents. Mm, (laughs) so um you can get a sense i I, i've tried to tell people you can kind of get a rough sense of the desire to have a playoff based on uh, how many games teams have played so far so um i've been told there's at least one division that i don't expect to play any playoff no matter what um the other issue right now is the canadian division um how does that work in terms of uh, getting teams back and forth. I mean, that is by far the most uh, far-flung division. Uh, you stretch all the way from Laval to Calgary, um, and teams there are flying charter. Uh, so uh, that's a massive expense to take on if you're going to play additional games. Um, another factor is, is revenue. Uh, traditionally, uh, that's a time when teams can make some, some really solid money, especially if they go on a little bit of a run. Um, uh, well, you don't really have that uh, to any great extent this season. Uh, and as a, as a kind of a corollary to that, uh, players um, are asking, well, what's in it for us uh, if we're not getting any sort of playoff money? Uh, do we want to stick around for another month, uh, pay additional housing costs, uh, everything that comes with that? Or do we just want to call it a year and go home and get ready for next season? So, um There's a lot of consternation right now. Um, I expect, as with much of this season, you'll kind of see some fragmented, um, uh, on-the-fly type uh, playoff formats for some teams, but for a lot of other teams, they'll just uh, call it a season and uh, consider themselves uh, fortunate that they got uh, to play at least some games and got through it uh, healthy and uh, not try to push their luck. So um, it's a little bit though right now of uh, of a crapshoot. Um, I think now that we're starting to see a couple teams, uh, like you mentioned Lehigh Valley earlier, uh, they're having some COVID nineteen, some sort of situation uh, that's cost them uh, a number of games. Uh, I think some teams now. It's been a long season for for players. Um, they may want to just come May 16th just call it a year and um, uh, shut it down after that and then one more point on the Canadian division is well you look at the Stockton Heat they're done April 29th so if you were to have some sort of playoff are they going to sit around for two and a half weeks uh, and then resume play Um, that's an issue so uh, you know, on the flip side of that, I have heard that some teams would not mind, um, playing a few playoff games. Uh, those teams also happen to have, uh, some degree of capacity right now for fans. So it will be a chance to, uh, uh, bring in a little bit of extra revenue that way. Uh, but it's, it's going to take, you know, if you're going to have a playoff, you kind of need everybody to be on board, um, or else it's not really going to work. So, um, you're kind of just getting a lot of different competing objectives and agendas right now that I think are leading to a lot of gridlock at the moment.
3: It's pretty uh, generally accepted that the AHL is the uh, second best hockey league in the world. Uh, Although we've heard that, uh, at least I've heard the narrative this year that, um, the AHL may not be as high-end uh, this year uh, because top talent has been mm-hmm. moved to the the NHL taxi squads. not in, in all cases. Uh, but on the other side of that argument, um, there's been more than 25 uh, first-round draft picks from uh, 2019, 2020, uh, who've played in the AHL this year. And I uh, wonder if you can just talk about that injection of of talent and, 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 um, and maybe mention some names and, and if you could be complete with the list, cause we don't want you to just, just give a partial list. You know how people feel about that.
2: We will get, the, we will get the pitchforks out if you miss anybody. Yes. As I've learned, if I, if I don't list all
0: 120 people, um, I even get some coaches on my back. So, um, there's, there's a long list of, uh, Impressive rookies. Obviously, you have your first round picks like your Quentin Byfields, uh, Jamie Drysdale, who I don't expect to return uh, really at any point. Trevor Zegris, I'd mentioned. Uh, Thomas Harley uh, down in Texas, uh, an impressive defenseman. Um, uh, Seth Jarvis, obviously, before he was sent back to the Western League, uh, was really tearing it up. Alex Turcotte. Another example, uh, Hershey fans will know Connor McMichael, Mm. uh, who's looked every bit in place there. Tyson Forrester and Lehigh. Um, Jeez,
3: I mean, I'm just... Alex Newhook.
0: Alex Newhook just kind of came in. Cole Caulfield, obviously. Matt Boldy. uh, Billy Hanala. uh, Perfetti. Yeah, Cole Perfetti. Yeah. (laughs) so you're saying there's no shortage of talent in the AHL right now? Uh, Yes, Uh, there is not a shortage of talent this year. I think the point I I hear what people are saying this year. I I do think the depth has suffered uh, in some cases quite a bit, uh, depending on the team you're talking about. But um, obviously, the taxi squads are more or less lopping off uh, the top six players on your roster. Including one of your goalies, so um, it stands to reason that your your talent would um, suffer. But I mean, I think, and this is a question I asked a lot of players who have played, you know, for example, in the KHL, uh, which is generally considered one of the competitors for that second best league title, and um, they said it's razor thin. That's the general consensus that if you Played an AHL team against an NHL or a KHL team in a seven-game series, You'll probably to all seven games. And I mean, you've seen how well this year, uh, how many longtime AHL names who went to the KHL um, mm-hmm. have done very well for themselves. Uh, have not only fit in, but have been dominant. Reed Boucher, for example, Chris Terry went over there, handled it quite well. So uh, I think, yeah, I think American Hockey League teams can match up with anybody. Anywhere outside of the National Hockey League, obviously, and uh, I don't think um, I don't think that message necessarily is is told enough or is put out there enough, um, just what the level of of skill and, and talent in the American Hockey League is. Uh, but it's a formidable league in its own right, and uh, this year you're seeing, like you said, 25 first-round picks uh, from the past year or two uh, who are coming in and. And I'll point out, none of them, not all of them are, are dominating either. I mean, for every Cole Caulfield that comes in, there's um, a fair number of first-round picks that definitely have their struggles, uh, especially early on, and don't come in and dominate. I think people expect that uh, first-round pitch is just trying to skate circles around everybody, but that's not the case. I mean, not when you're going up against experienced veteran pros in this league. Uh, so uh, it's a little bit of... A little bit of everything this year, I mean, I, I'm, I've struggled to really try to define the league and what it is this year because um, it really varies quite a bit from really one division to another and even one team to another in terms of how teams, how NHL teams are, are utilizing their affiliates this year.
2: So part of that talent injection, and we've talked about this a, a bit earlier um, in, in this interview, is the CHL talent, mm-hmm. uh, who because of COVID nineteen circumstances and, and the OHL is still uh, has a big question mark on it. Uh, they're they're pushing back on on that uh, even more right now. Um, you've seen a lot of really young talent who I guess you could call them kind of underagers um, finding their game and excelling uh, in the AHL. Do you, what's your what's your feeling or or the temperature check around the league of do you think you know the next time this is up for negotiation um between the nhl and the chl do you think this opens the door for perhaps having a conversation about uh allowing junior players to come play for the a to come play in the ahl uh sooner than they have been
0: well i'll I'll, I'll borrow a uh, uh bouchardism And I'll say (laughs) every player has his his own path to the NHL, and perhaps that path does not go to the NHL, but um, meaning essentially that players need different amount of time, different circumstances, different degrees of patience uh, on that path. Um, That NHL-CHL agreement issue has been kind of on the back burner for a number of years, I think, probably if you go back – five, six years or so. Really since this new generation of of kids that are coming up through the CHL are so much more prepared than I remember uh, earlier, you know, maybe in around early 2000s. Um, They're, they're, they have trainers, they have uh, far better nutrition. I mean, junior nutrition used to basically be, you know, burger and fries on the bus. (laughs) I mean, it was, I mean, works for so me. There was no nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was 18 year old kids just eating junk food, and now it's. I mean, these players are extremely disciplined with all that. Uh, so when they're coming in now at 18 years old, uh, um, there's a lot more of a polished product uh, than there used to be, and, and I think NHL teams would love it. Uh, you know, given their druthers because the sooner, you know, they can get, um, quote unquote, get their hands on a player and start to mold him and shape him in their, in their image. And and it's that much uh, less time that he has to play in junior, develop bad habits, um, spend a year or two kind of skating circles around the competition. Uh, the more they like it, they like to test players, put them up against, uh, the 30 year old AHL veteran, uh, who, you know, was a shutdown defenseman who's played a couple hundred NHL games and see how he does rather than having them skate circles around you know, 17 year old opponents. So, um, obviously where the issue comes into play is CHL teams, uh, do not want that to happen.
2: Well, yeah.
0: And, um, uh, you know, a lot of these first-round picks are kind of their, uh, their, obviously their their best players, and they're also their uh, high-profile players that sell tickets in their respective cities. So uh, there's that factor. Now, I will say this: um, I don't think you know the AHL, as usual, is always kind of finds itself in the middle of a fight. I don't <laughs> think you'll get much sympathy from AHL owners for the plight of CHL owners for losing their best players. Um, and how many times have we seen in a playoff, uh, situation where, oh, it's the, the morning of a game and, uh, the, the NHL team decided to call up, uh, your starting goalie and your number one center. And, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Good luck. Um, <laughs> and it's just the way it is and everyone accepts that. And, uh, so, uh, I don't see a lot of sympathy from <laughs> certain AHL owners uh, on that topic. Uh, so it's one of those things that's going to have to, I think, probably be hashed out. Uh, and there's been different ideas tossed around. One idea I've heard is, well, what if you had one exemption for one NA, for each NHL team uh, where you could use a first uh, – it had to be a first-round pick and let them play at 18 or 19 with the American Hockey League team? And I think that sounds like a fair compromise. Um, you probably – you probably are wasting some players' time sending them back to junior. I mean, Seth Jarvis was leading the league in the American Hockey League in scoring, and he was sent back to the Portland Winterhawks. And it's, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, what's he really going, going to get out of that experience now? And he's obviously he's gone back, and he's been a dominant player, in, as you would expect in the Western Hockey League, but he's not getting the opportunity to play with pro-caliber players, uh, you know, to, to work, to be challenged. Um, and to maybe fall on the space a little bit. I mean, sometimes that's the purpose of the American Hockey League, to test players, and uh, sometimes they have to fail uh, in order to eventually get better. And it's like anything else. If you're never challenged or you're never tested, uh, it's going to be hard to really have a lot of improvement and growth you know, with whatever you're trying to do, whether you're learning to play the piano or you're trying to become a National Hockey League player
3: so we never like to talk about ourselves that is uh, the media but in this case uh, i just want to ask your opinion of of the media a- access uh, which you know life has changed during the pandemic life has changed for the media and and media access by proxy is is fan access to the teams um and it's been it's been with all the zoom calls and the media availabilities it's been quite different uh, and we've heard some media say, well, um, you know, they've, they've complained and said, well, it better go back to the way it used to uh, be. But have there been benefits um, in the way things are, are structured now for media and, and the kind of access that, that media have to, to coaches and players? And uh, is it your hope that uh, some of those things will continue uh, beyond the pandemic?
0: Well, I think like out of every bad situation, um, you can develop uh, better practices. You know, necessity the mother of invention. You know, for lack, you know, of mm-hmm. a better way to put it. Um, and that's what exactly what we see with those with those access calls on Zoom. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's a replacement for being at the rink for for kind of getting that up close access. Um, getting that uh, relationship building uh, right. that you need in order to, um, I think, do the job as effectively as possible. That being said, um, I think there's a lot of value, especially uh, when you look at teams that uh, do, do it for road games. Um, yeah, To be able to get your players, get your coaches uh out there more, get them more exposed to the fans. I think also get them more training with the media uh, for eventual NHL work um, is a great thing. So I, I would personally like to see a hybrid uh, going forward where ideally you have um, your traditional in-person access, post-game, pre-game, whatever the case may be. Uh, but you you mix that in with at least perhaps a, uh, a weekly Zoom session and I think especially um, down in the States, that's a big thing where um, local television, newspapers, they're, they're pulled so thin now, um, and they don't have the time to come out necessarily very often. Uh, but if you can make it more accessible to them where they can just drop by on Zoom, ask their questions, get what they need, uh, you're getting that much more uh, exposure for your team out there, that much more exposure for your players, And I think you uh, will see that benefit. So I I hope that Zoom is here to stay, but I also hope that we can go back to being at the range, being in a more obviously normal setting, um, and you know not all just staring at each other you
2: know through a computer. (laughs) Yeah, it's that's my take. No, I and I think your 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 use of the word hybrid is perfect. I I think that is that would be the ideal situation is if there's, if there can be a happy medium that, that combines the two of those things somehow. Um, I think it just benefits, I think it benefits everyone involved. Absolutely.
0: Um, I'll just add just in my case, I mean, on a given night, I can talk to Joel Bouchard in Laval and, uh, you know, then talk to, uh, Kevin Deneen in San Diego all on the same night. And I don't care how much you travel, you're not going to be able to do that all on the same. Night. That's right. Um, so, uh I probably admittedly have a little bit of a uh, vested interest in this but uh but in general I, I mean I, I talked to some different PR uh people across the league uh their sense is that so this has been uh, a good way to reach out more to that casual media that uh, doesn't necessarily want to cover the team on a day-to-day basis but certainly would at least like to uh, put the word out and uh Uh, We've seen that similarly with with a lot of these teams signing local television deals. Uh, Syracuse has done that. Uh, uh, San Diego has done that. Uh, Probably about, I want to say about 10 or 11 teams now have come up with some semblance of a local TV package. And and that's still huge. I mean, that's getting your product out to the casual fan, maybe not to a fan at all, but just somebody that's a little bit curious about uh, your product and uh, is willing to see it on television first. Uh, I mean... The AHL is going to need a big year next year. Uh, you're you're coming back off a pandemic. Uh, people have not been in the rinks for 18 or 19 months. That's a long time for people to go. It's uh, very easy to be forgotten. And um, if you're not out there, then you're forgotten. I mean, uh, there's so much competition now uh, for the entertainment dollar. Uh, just talking to different, uh, you know, people, you know, the, on the business side. Of, around the league. I mean, that's the big concern is basically trying to re reintroduce themselves to the casual fan out there because casual fan um, is kind of what can take a team from an iffy proposition where they rely on the, their season ticket holders and make them into a strong franchise. Uh, that's why your Charlottes of the league succeed uh, your Hershey's, obviously your San Diego's. It's a lot of those casual fans that supplement that season ticket base and, and, you know, fill those seats.
2: You actually, uh, use just the right word there, uh, talking about the forgotten, um, as a last question, just to kind of wrap this up, we don't want to forget about those three teams who opted out of this season. <laughs> um, and, and of course fans will, will recall there are three, the Milwaukee admirals, the Springfield, uh, Thunderbirds and the Charlotte checkers. All three of those franchises are not playing this year. Um, have you heard anything from those organizations in terms of how they are staying connected with their fan bases and whether or not they're already making their plans to to jump back in uh, full bore next season and, and get their teams back on the ice?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I spoke with Tara Black, uh, the COO of the Charlotte Checkers, uh, one of the most respected people in the league. Um, and she's won Executive of the Year Award in, in this league. Uh, so somebody that really knows this business inside out. And, uh, that's been one of their most concerted efforts, uh, throughout all this is to stay connected, to not disappear, to not fall off, uh, the radar for a lot of people. So for Charlotte example, they had that April fools, um, promotion a couple weeks back where they unveiled the, the, uh, I guess artificial logo. Um, I think they fooled some people and, (laughs) uh, it's those little things. And, um, the, the challenge with that is is a team like Charlotte, for example, they had twenty five front office people. Now they're down to around eight. Uh, wow. So uh, there's far fewer people around to do that job, uh, to, to not only keep the lights on but to, to keep the team out there. And um, and right now they're planning they're uh, planning on a range of possibilities. You know, everything from next season being 100% capacity to 50%, somewhere in between. Um, and obviously the, the economic projections for that are, are vastly different. So um, the, the challenge now, I think, for teams like a Charlotte or Springfield or Milwaukee is, um, and really any team for that matter, is um, when you really decide to push forward with your promotion for next season, you have to be as confident as you possibly can that it's going to happen, that you're not going to make a hiring push. You're not going to make a promotional push, uh, buy advertising, uh, all, all the costs that go with that and then have to shut it down maybe at some point in the summer or next fall. So like, that's the balance and act right now for these teams where, you know, are we feeling more confident that things have turned a corner? Well, maybe, um, and obviously that's not the case for the Canadian clubs right now. That's a whole different can of worms at the moment. Uh, but, um, in the States, uh, there is a sense of more optimism. It seems like, uh, for a quote unquote, normal 21, 22 season. But the question becomes, well, when do we really go full bore and, uh, make that real promotional push because, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, the summer months are the busiest time of the year for teams, uh, you know, from the front office standpoint. And they have to make, uh, you know, as Tara Black told me, uh, we, especially now, we watch where every single dollar goes. We do not waste anything. And if we're going to, you know, spend that money on a, on a big advertising campaign, we want to make sure that we don't have to pull it back in a mm-hmm. month or two. So it's a real challenge right now. There's no playbook to deal with uh, for, for such a situation like this. And so, you know, even some of your, your best franchises, your most experienced people like Tara Black are really feeling that challenge of, of trying to feel their way through this situation um, to be willing to take chances, but to not uh, take unnecessary chances.
2: Well, Patrick Williams, uh, lead AHL columnist at EP Ringside and the AHL correspondent for NHL.com. We can't thank you enough for going on such a deep dive with us today, all things American Hockey League. Uh, you're, you're a wealth of information, and we certainly appreciate each and every time you make time to, to make an appearance here with Rick and I on the Press Zone.
0: Well, absolutely. It was completely my pleasure.
2: Uh, you can find Patrick on Twitter at pwilliamsahl. Uh, you can also hear him on his podcast at Around the A Pod. Uh, so be sure to check him out there. And uh, once again, Patrick, thanks so much for joining us. Rick and I've had a had a great time uh, with this conversation. Well, thank you. Well, Rick, I have to say it is always a delight when Patrick Williams joins us on the show. He is a wealth of information. We could have probably talked for another for hours. two hours. Uh, there's just so many questions uh, and so many things happening around the league. Uh, we were just able to to kind of dip a toe in today, but really some great information there.
3: We'll have him back. That was, uh, that was a great interview.
2: Absolutely. Um, and we are going to, uh, you know, keep on everything happening in the AHL, you know, we're gonna um uh, there's there's some really controversial kind of breaking news that's that's kind of busting wide open this week. Uh it's a developing story. We're gonna See how things transpire throughout the week and and probably talk about it a little more in depth next week. But it seems to have been suddenly announced to the uh, Binghamton Devils that uh, New Jersey will not be continuing their affiliation with them. Uh, There are rumors circulating that it looks like possibly um, the Utica Comets president, Robert Esch, uh, has filed a trademark uh, application for the Utica Devils. And so all sorts of questions are being raised. Uh, is New Jersey moving back to Utica where they used to be? Is Are the Comets moving closer to Vancouver? Um, and what's going to happen to hockey in Binghamton? Lots of questions. It's a very, very fresh kind of raw thing that's coming out uh, very unexpectedly. Uh, so we're going to be sure to look into that, and and we'll have uh, lots of information for you, hopefully, about that next week. But, Rick, uh, this was a tremendous show. Um it's one that folks will want to uh, be sure to share with their friends, of course. Um, but if uh, th- people are listening and they haven't subscribed, they don't want to miss all of these great interviews, what's the best way for them to be sure that they never miss an episode of The Press Zone?
3: Is to subscribe uh, in the podcast uh, app of your choice. We're on all the uh, podcast apps. Make sure you subscribe. Um, and if you want to catch up on the the back uh, uh, you know, episodes you may have missed, uh, the press zone, the presszone.fm, the presszone.com. Either either one will get you to our archive of of uh, podcast episodes.
2: Fantastic, and we are so glad that you were here with us today. We really hope you enjoyed that interview with Patrick Williams. Uh, we'll have. Lots more uh, exclusive interviews just like that coming up uh, in future weeks on The Press Zone. You don't want to miss a minute of it. And uh, we just want you to have a great week. Enjoy all of the hockey. And we'll be back here again next Tuesday for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio.
1: Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.